Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another thoroughly enthralling episode of Broadway Breakdown. I am one half of your hosts, Matt Koplick. And I am one half of your hosts, Trixie Mattel. <laughs> John Miscavige. Uh, I'm John Miscavige. You're... And she's my daughter. She's my sister. She's my daughter. She's my sister. Hi, everybody. I, you know me. You've come to resent me. I am one half of your hosts, Matt Koplick. Joining yeah, us the, today. I'm the other one. I just, you, you asked if I wanted to start and I was like, yeah, but I mean, basically it starts every time with you introducing your name. So I could not go off script. No, you couldn't. Uh, and I appreciate that about you. You are really thorough that way. You really stick to the lines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm an improviser. Not at all. <laughs> way with words. Way with words. What are words? What are things? What are people? Sentence um, syntax, maybe. Guys, did you miss this? It's been like seven straight weeks of uh, my obsessions. And did you miss like just the banter, the <laughs> odd couple banter with me and Jean? Crickets. <laughs> uh, this is me and John's first, our first recording of this pod via Zoom together. Yes, yes. Zoom. We're yes. not sponsored by them, but how exciting. I've never tried this this way. I know. I, know. Um, I found Zoom on Fort on uh, Squarespace while on my squatty potty, uh, and ordering my Casper mattress and uh, cooking my Blue Apron. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. ticks t- ticks all the boxes. Exactly. This is not my first time using Zoom for the pod, but it's our, my first time using it with John. So it's it's going to be a journey today to see like how he responds if he's like easygoing or you know closed up whole with it. You know. Yeah, I just have Matt's eyes looking at me, undressing me. And then redressing me in more layers. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, that, it's not hard to undress you. You don't wear a lot of layers, or at least not as many as I would like. So I know. people. The people demand more layers. I mean, women are always saying, like, gay men, they're just undressing me with their eyes and then dressing me up in something they like more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the phrase, isn't it? Exactly. But my, mine's just about hiding. Um, yeah, no, this, this is fun. What a, what, I mean, Zoom, Zoom really swooped in and kind of saved things, didn't yeah. they, for everyone. Although um, I still get, 
like in, in big Zoom meetings, I know that people have to do them all the time. They're so used to them now, but I am not a real person. So I've had to do so few of them. Mm-hmm. But the few that I have had to do provoke such anxiety in me. I like, I, I don't know when to talk. I don't know if people can hear me. I, I feel like it, I can't hear myself. It's, yeah. Uh, um, it, it's great. I love it. Zoom does great work. People with anxiety just need to like, um, I, I need to talk to my therapist about Zoom. <laughs> John, you just got to get in the Zoom where it happens, you know? I do. I do. I will say the more people on a Zoom call, the more stressful it is. Like I did a Zoom. So stressful. I did a Zoom reunion with my uh, class when I grad, like my graduating uh, MT class. It was 12 of us. And that was still very exhausting. Um, yeah. Like it took probably 30 minutes for us to get into a pattern of like who says what when, you know? Yeah. And that's just, that's a lot. It's a lot. But, you know, you and me, that just as exhausting. Fewer people are just as exhausting. Truly just as, uh, just as much work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, two, just two people. Always has been. Never, never easy. Yeah. You know that song from Baby, Two People in Love? I do. I actually, I love that song. It's like quintessential, like Maltby Shire mm-hmm. 80s pop. Like, and like a solid Liz Calloway mix. It's just, yeah, it's a wonderful song. The point the Carly Rae Jepsen of musical theater. That, I don't know if you meant that as a read, but I took that as like the highest of compliments. No, I meant it as a compliment. Yeah, fantastic. You compliment it. Um, but I have to say that song is the opposite of us, like right, right down to the motifs in it and like the funk and the peppiness and the positivity. Like it's as if I met you, John, and that song came into my head to remind me like, this is how you should feel about people. This is not how you feel about John. Yeah, I met you and um, the song that popped into my head was, he calls my name. <laughs> really, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. Headline, John turned 32 yesterday, everybody. I did. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're recording after I... Oh, something happened. Oh, has this not been recording my actual microphone the entire time? No, I think it has. Yeah. Oh, no, it got unplugged for a quick second and then it replugged. Sorry, okay. guys. As is per <sighs> usual with the Broadway breakdown, there's always a little bit of technical difficulty. Um, well, I solved many of my technical difficulties today. Normally, I have an issue where I have to hold the mic, which is what you're doing. And then that sometimes causes the uh, USB cord to slip out, which is what just happened to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today I was like, crap, it's going to happen again today at my desk. And I realized after years of doing this that my chair can lower <laughs> and makes me the same level of, as the microphone on the desk. That is... This is what you have to look forward to when you turn 32. You turn 32 and just like the veil is lifted. All these dumb things you've been doing for years, you just stop. I, I'm, I'm a, I, I feel... I feel like Whoopi Goldberg on Drag Race right now. Like, just like the wisdom and the calmness and like the caftan sweat that she had. Like, I'm offering all of that to you. <laughs> I um, am like Aubrey O'Day 
on Drag Race. <laughs> and I just have no, I have no idea what I've gotten myself into. And I'm just looking at everything with the widest of eyes. And I'm the blondest of women. And I am just sitting there going like, mm, That clip where no. she just laughs like unexpectedly and she goes, oh, and then covers her mouth. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's that was that was me at Jagged Little Pill, and that was me at If Then. Yeah, it is, and also Aladdin. It is really difficult to have like a guttural laugh that is not like it's not a true laugh. It's just like your body has physically reacted to something it wasn't prepared for, and yeah. you're the only person in a fifteen hundred seat theater that has that reaction. So this sound ricochets off the walls. Memories. Like the corners of my mind. Uh, how did you celebrate 32? Um, same way I celebrate 32 every day. Plan to take over the world, you know? <laughs> Just... <laughs> um, no, I... Uh, listen. What a year it's been. What a joy. What a lark. What a plume. Um, and, and so if there was a part of me where I was like, should I try, should I really try to make this like, should I stress myself out and like do a Zoom meeting? Like, cause I, I have had friends who've had Zoom birthdays and it's very lovely. Normally like it ends up being some kind of like theater school, ther- therapeutic thing where everyone just goes around and says like what they love about the person and why they're thankful that we're, they're there. And it's, I always cry. It's always very beautiful. And I, w- I was like, I guess I could maybe do something like that. But instead, it would just turn into a roast. <laughs> like, I know my friends. Like, I would expect like everyone to be like, John, we love you so much. Thank God you're here. And they'd be like, the thing about this fucker is that he won't die. <laughs> oh, my God. So I quickly Please put the... something that just, like, came out of your mouth, like, spontaneously. That was not something you heard somewhere. That's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. It, th- this all is stream of consciousness that I'm just realizing right now. Let's just, if... Guys, let's repeat that. The thing about this fucker is he won't die. <laughs> but I mean, that it'd be a solid intro for a set that I would be very excited yet nervous to hear. I don't so, know what you're referring to. I I gave you a lovely little shout out for your birthday. There was not a moment of snark in it. It was honest and heartfelt the entire time. You did. But the thing is, is that like, everyone knows to take the piss out of me. I know to take the piss out of me. It's, it's what we all do. So it, it would turn into that or I would make it turn into that. Mm. But I also don't know if I have the mental capacity to, to handle being roasted right now. You would, emotional- it would be like Roger with that roast episode of American Dad. Exactly. I'd be, I'd have a pair of sunglasses on the whole time. I'd be nodding and smirking. And then at the end, I would take them off and just like full eyeshadow dripping down my face. I've been mm-hmm. sobbing. Just Jesus betrayed by Judas. Judai. Judas eyes? Judas. Um, um, again, what are words? Who knows? But yes. So I, I, I was like, you know what? And these Zoom meetings just really stress me out. I was like, I do want to see everyone, but I also have this inkling that once we are allowed to be social again, mm-hmm. everyone's just kind of going to congregate in a bar, all of us, and just have like this maybe like 24-hour morning period where we all just celebrate everything we've missed. And mm-hmm. you, you, do your bir- you do birthdays that happen during this time, all this. So I was like, I'm not going to worry about this being like a big to-do. I'm going to create a day of... Um, Little positive choices was was the theme. So like, I need to eat breakfast. I can either like make eggs or what would be like 
the thing that I would want most right now. And I, I was like, I want a bagel with cream cheese and lox and capers and red onion. And so I like got that. It was just like, it, it was a treat yourself day. Like instead of taking a shower, I took a very nice bubble bath. You know, I did face awesome. masks. Like Adam and I went on a very lovely five mile walk to the waterfront at Long Island. And I just took off my shoes for two seconds and stood in grass because that's all I wanted to do for like 30 seconds. Then I put my shoes back on and walked back. Like, you know, just, just, just little things. That's wonderful. Yeah, just little, little, little happy, happy things and talk to people that I wanted to and, you know, uh, FaceTime with family members. Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a really, it was a lovely day because I do sometimes feel, and you probably can understand this too, like, birthday parties also cause stress for the person throwing the birthday party. So every year there's always this layer of like, I have to entertain people. I have to do this. Like I want to enjoy this day as much as possible, but I also want to make sure that people enjoy it, blah, blah, blah. blah. And this year it was just like, I can't do anything. We're legally not allowed to. I don't want to do any of those kind of things. (laughs) So I was like, what can I do with these given circumstances? And yeah, I mean, that's what I did. I think that's wonderful. Uh, take making the most of the circumstances that you have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you celebrate my birthday? Uh, well, I started by going on YouTube and finding every Bernadette Peters clip I could find mm. and then just furiously masturbating to all of them. That's the correct answer. Mm-hmm. But never ejaculating because like John, I'm not worthy of a happy ending. <laughs> Our main topic today is a consistent in our lives right now. I feel like we discussed it the last time we were uh, podcasting together, but it's, you know, it's even more rampant now, which is uh, streaming of herpes. Oh, Oh, yes, 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 yes. Sorry. That was, that's, that was a flare up. That was a flare up, John. Happens once a year. 75% of people have it. It's not a big deal. Streaming theater. Uh, As we've discussed before, there are so many options right now to to watch theater from the safety of your home from your couch uh john just recently discovered a broadcast that has turned his tiny world sideways it shooketh me it it truly like and, and the thing is when we've had this debate in the past i feel like i was completely more or less on your side I, I am also purposely keeping the our listeners in the dark so they have no idea what we're talking about or what I'm referencing because it's mm. called um, it's called dramatic tension. Just <laughs> um, but I, 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 I feel like we've agreed on this in the past, but I also feel like when we specifically talk about this production that blew my mind or that is involved with this, that I, I still really enjoyed it, this last Broadway revival. But now I look back and I was like, what a fool I was. What a, what a, what a daft. What a dominated fool. Um, no, I, I found this little, and the thing is, I tried to look up, I'm not exactly sure what it, the actual, like, was it a national theater, like, clip or doing famous scenes thing? Oh, so, oh, whoa, whoa, okay. Sorry, I thought we were going to talk about Streetcar. Um, oh, no, I thought you were talking... <laughs> I, got, I got so thrown for a second. I was like, where are you going with this? Um, no, I know exactly what you mean. 
The funny, th- uh, the funny thing is, is that I thought at first that you were talking about streetcar and I was like, oh no, he definitely means. So what I'm talking about is I sent uh, Matt this video comparing Andrew Scott and Andrew Garfield as prior in uh, that Angels first bench scene in Angels in America. Yes. And that's what I was talking about. Yeah, that's okay. what I thought you that's were talking totally, about. No, that's totally fine. We'll go into that because I do want to talk about streetcar for a quick second. Um, oh, I thought, I thought we were going to talk about streetcar a lot. I just thought that's what you were bringing up first. No, so I was bringing up streetcar. Uh, no, so we'll talk about this for a second because it's, um, it's worth talking about and actually harps back to like, I want to say it's like our second or third episode ever of this series. Right. Um, yeah, Angels in America, there's the Andrew Garfield clip which is from the national theater live broadcast when it was being done at the national theater before it was done on broadway which i famously on i think episode two or three did not enjoy i did not like that broadcast i liked that production much more when i saw it live Mm. which is you know something to just think about when you are watching uh streaming theater online these days like if it doesn't work for you always like it probably worked for you better in the theater like that's just how it the case um but part of it is also that uh when it moved to broadway they just were funnier with it they the entire company understood all of a sudden that there are jokes in angels in america it's not just seven hours of o'neill it there's humor a lot a lot of humor and that was what was missing in the broadcast for me but the clip you're referring to john the andrew scott clip where he's doing the same scene andrew garfield does with dominique cooper cooper Mm -hmm. yes that was a celebration broadcast of the National Theater. Ah, uh, so of it like, was literally just like a best of hits. Like there isn't, of, yeah. there isn't a production where he played Pryor fully that we can watch. Not where we can watch. I mean, he might've played Pryor somewhere, but I don't, I think that he just did that scene for the broadcast. Guys, um, it's amazing. You need to go watch it. It's... Yes, it was the moment I realized Andrew Scott was gay. Um, <laughs> So, John, talk to us why you got so obsessed with that clip. Um, I just, uh, uh, hot priest mania aside, I mean, Andrew Scott had such a up year over the last year. People just went gaga over him. As I mean, he, he got us up is what you mean. Exactly. Yes. Um, theater Viagra. Um, but like... It, it it was exactly that. It it was it was there was so much humor in his take, or not not even humor in his take, but he just completely understood that like someone like Pryor, with what they've been given with that script, they are he's been given a death sentence, but that isn't what he wants. So he's not wallowing in it, you know, like he, mm. he ends up a bit because of the sheer like physicalness of it. But like Andrew Scott in that first scene shows so much fighting for the positive. Mm-hmm. Like he he knows that he has this lesion and what that means. But it, it, it was, th- there was just this, um, this aspect of like, I still have so much in me and I'm not just draping myself in um, a scarf and going, oh, woe is me. You know, I, I wasn't just doing like and a like Sherry a- Pie, Catherine Hepburn impression. Yeah. Andrew like, Garfield does a very weird prior voice. It was like, Lewis, yeah. you win Trooper of the Year. It's like 90% air mm-hmm. and then like 10% gay appropriation. I don't know if that's a thing. But. Yeah. Well, so uh, the scene in question, the bench scene that you uh, referring to, it's the scene where it's the first scene we have of Pryor and Lewis and Angels in America where, and it's Pryor does tell Lewis, mm-hmm. I, I have AIDS. 
Uh, but what's interesting about the scene is that it doesn't start that way. You know, it's a normal conversation. Yes. And it and it leads into that. Um, did you ever watch the clip of Steven Spinella doing it with Joe Mantello? I must have. I'm sure I did. There, it, There's like a reviewer's reel of the original Broadway production. It's like it floated around somewhere and then it got taken down. But you can still see like bits of it online. Uh, I mean, Steven Spinella is like full out flaming homo as prior. And it's wonderful because it's like it's just an organic kind of mm-hmm. uh, flamboyancy. It's not put upon which is something that we had discussed before with Pryor. Like Pryor is a character, but it's important to not, I don't know. It's important not to like make fun of the flamboyancy itself or like to not make the flamboyancy put upon. Yeah. It was very shallow in in Andrew Garfield, uh, very put upon. Yeah. It needs to, it's something that kind of has to live within you almost in order for it to work fully. And, and I've said in the past, because we talked about this also with Call Me By Your Name when that came out, I am not uh, I am not a gay that is like, only gay should play gay roles. I don't think that's necessary. I do think with so few gay roles out there and so few gay actors allowed to come to prominence, like, let us have more of them so we can even the playing field out a bit before like sure, all that happens. Sure. Like, I, I understand both sides of that. I will say Prior Walter is the only role of a homosexual where I'm like, you don't have to be gay to play it, but I can always tell if you're not gay. Yeah. You yeah. can always tell. And as you said, with Andrew Skirt, Andrew Skirt, Andrew Skirt, with Andrew Skirt, with Andrew, Sk- good, Andrew Skirt, <laughs> with Andrew Scott and Andrew Garfield, Andrew Scott, you can tell that it's in him. It's in his DNA. It's something that he's lived with in a sense. And Andrew Garfield, again, like might've gone to school for it. Could be super fluent, not a native speaker. Mm. Yeah, mm. and it's just, that's, there is a difference to it. I get so closety at these family things. Butch, you get butch. Hi, Cousin Doris, you don't remember me. I'm Lou, Rachel's boy. <laughs> Lou, not Lewis, because if you say Lewis, they'll hear the sibyl and ass. I don't have. I don't blame you. <laughs> Hiding. Bloodlines, Jewish curses are the worst. I personally would dissolve if anyone ever looked me in the eye and said, Fat. Oh, and by the way, darling, cousin Doris is a dyke. No. Really? If you don't notice anything. If I hadn't been filleting you for the last four years, I'd swear you were straight. That was basically, that, that's my beginning tangent for our pre-subject that we, that I thought you were talking about something else and you thought I was talking about something else. And this is what we mean when the banter just flows, like, mi- like milk and honey just yes, flowing. Like, like a douche. My mother asked me the other day if I have to be so graphic with the way I talk sometimes and I said you trying to censor me to quote Gigi good at the snatch game you trying to control me hey wow you're every woman I am spoken like spoken like a true gay man who moved back in with his mother (laughs) yes like like Gigi good I also love my mother (laughs) um and like she's very she's very easy to love though Yes, yes. My mom is, is a gay icon in that respect. But so, yes, moving on from the Angels in America clip to the next national theater streaming content. Yes, we worked our way separately through um, Gillian Anderson. <laughs> I have to say it that way. Through Gillian Anderson's um, Streetcar Named Desire that they, I think today, I think it's actually already taken down. I think today was the last day of it. Yes. So if you missed it, sorry about it. Sorry, well, especially by the time this episode comes out, it will be gone. Oh yeah, it's it's long gone. Yeah, 
But that's the thing about the National Theater with their uh, streaming is that it, it's only up for a week. Everything they post, it right. goes up for a week and then it's a new thing, which is nice. It's it wonderful. To, it gives you incentive to watch it. Yeah, exactly. And it, and this one, um, I mean, it, it's a very lo- it was a very long production of Streetcar. I, I think you said you took a couple days to get through it and mm-hmm. I, I did the same. But And not, not because I was like, and I think you probably feel the same way, not because it was, you know, like boring or anything for me it was just like a lot of subject matter to handle right now under Mm -hmm. these given circumstances of such a tragic character that I thought so many tragic things happened to Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god this was like did did you ever read a little life that gay novel that gay novel that everyone has read and is obsessed with and is really beautiful but it's also um very abusive you've never read a little life I have not this is what what what? I'm sorry. I you mean, of all people. So, what do you mean, me of all people? What are you trying to say? <laughs> so, if um, it, I, I will admit, I didn't finish little life, but that was a conscious choice. Eight hundred page novel, and basically, there's this one character where everything bad keeps happening to them, and they've had a horrible life. And every new section of the book, you're like, surely things have to get brighter because they cannot get any worse. Mm. And this author spins a yarn, you know, that is so twisted and dark human and really real and beautiful, but like, it's upsetting. Like, it's very upsetting. And that was kind of what I was going through watching Streetcar and why I needed to take a couple days in between because I was just like, man, poor Blanche. (laughs) Yeah. Um... And this was your first exposure to Streetcar, correct? Uh, I mean, I've read it multiple times, but I've never seen a production of it. So, yes. um, yeah, it, I'm still kind of working through my feelings on this production because I I also split it up over like three days, and it was again, it wasn't because I was necessarily bored, but I can say that I enjoyed it as much as you did. But I still mm. like. But if I if I didn't enjoy it at all, it's not like. I couldn't walk out of the theater. I could have just stopped at any point. Like I still came back to it. Like I still wanted to sort of see it through to the end. So there's something to be said for that. Um, This production had two design elements that were very uh, unique was one is that it was done in the round and specifically on a turntable. So the set revolved the entire time. Although I think it well, didn't... almost the entire time it was when she would start drinking, that's... things would things would start spinning. Yes, that's what I thought because the I remember like very um it was it was very clear the moment she takes yes. her first drink the set starts to spin, but then it yeah. pretty much just spun the rest of the production at least from what I can remember. But that's I think also... we're supposed to assume she's drunk for the rest yeah, of like it. the entire show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, Blanche is an alcoholic. This is very true. Uh, and then it's also a very modern design from the set. Very to the costumes. modern. And I don't, I can't tell you if the director necessarily was placing it in modern times. I, I don't personally think he was. I think it was just, a, it was an aesthetic choice to put everyone in modern garb. See, I actually do think it was purposefully set in a more modern time just because I think that it delved into aspects of this of the psychology mm-hmm. that like we know a bit more about like a, a traumatized person mm-hmm. it, and and so it kind of like the way that um different moments were handled 
it, it actually all felt very modern, like in, in, in the way of like how there's subtext and calculation of like, how am I going to do this? How am I approaching this? You know, like mm-hmm. how am I a version of a toxic male who is very chipper and cheer or like, you know, the, the, the thing that I forgot about Stanley is that there are many versions of Stanley you see in this, but there's also this version that we see that's like, oh, hey, how are you? Like, yeah, he gets more pissed off at Blanche throughout. But like, I remember in that first scene being very shocked at like how kind of like chipper and nice guy uh, the actor was playing. Like every man he is. Sort of like- Yeah, like how how every man, and then it takes that twist into like the different layers of toxic masculinity and the abuse and the rape. And so I, I, I don't, I definitely think that it wasn't trying to be like, we're completely updated to these modern times. But I do think that like, that was what I enjoyed a lot about this production was it actually felt to me that a lot of the ideas behind the beats and how they were handled felt very real and like they could be happening today and like Mm -hmm. in situations that we do uh, witness today. Yeah. Well, I think that's a testament to the work itself. Uh, Yes. I mean, it is much easier for comedy to age than for drama to age. That is think about all the dramas we still do today that are a hundred years old and all the comedies we don't do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like so there are a lot of themes in Streetcar that are very uh, prominent today. It, in many ways, Streetcar was actually very ahead of its time. Cause when, sure. it, when it opened, the thing that people always thought about with Streetcar when it opened and then like through the 50s, 60s, 70s was it had a legacy of like sexiness Streetcar mm-hmm. was very sexy. Like Tennessee Williams is very sexy because you know it's Marlon Brando and the movie is Vivian Lee and this idea of you know every, everyone's in New Orleans and it's hot and everyone's horny all the time and like that is all true, but it also you know people it's everyone in that show is just broken. Right. And, I mean, in different ways for sure. Uh, but sort of the what's fascinating is how at the end of the play nobody has really learned. Everyone is more broken and sort of retreats more into themselves by the end. So if you have, if you're not familiar with Streetcar, sorry for the spoiler alert. You had enough time. (laughs) Yeah, that play is like 70 years old. Like it's the way in like, you know, spoiler for show, but like, go fuck yourself. But, um, you know, it's, it's Blanche Dubois, who's perhaps one of the most tragic figures in modern American drama. She lives with, she goes to live with her sister and her sister's husband in New Orleans. And by the end of it, ends up getting raped by the husband and goes completely insane, which she's like slowly doing, she's supposed to be slowly doing throughout the play is going insane. But she, like the fine, the straw of the camel's back is that rape. And she mm-hmm. gets carted off to an institution at the end of the show. And Stella, her sister, stays with her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, chooses not to believe Blanche about the rape. And says, "Oh, well, my sister is crazy." And but it's still there. It's a lot of complexity because she doesn't blame Blanche in any way, and she still tries to care for her. And her sending her off to an institution is not her being like, "I hate my sister, and this is a punishment." It's 1948, and mm-hmm. she thinks this is what's the best thing to do. And yeah. this production does show some of that conflict, which is nice. But like that's sort of the uh, burden. Not say burden. What sort of guts you about the end of the play is like it ends, and no one's the better. Everyone yeah. is just worse. Yeah. 
but it's still fulfilling in a way. Stanley is completely like, I mean, there's no repercussions for his actions. Like he was- He's he's, like, it's a normal day the next day. But but that's also what really struck me about it with the modern, uh, this more kind of modern ideology around it was just like this really toxic man who's just like, this is what he was taught, you know? Like, this is how a man acts. This is what I'm able to do. Like, you know, this is- it, I, I thought there were there were a lot of implications of like working class kind of everyman average Joe mentality of like I'm educated in this way like I know street smarts and I think I know this and I think I know this and I, I just think I know everyone versus kind of this these people who are like well you know we were, we were raised this way and it, it, I, I felt I felt a lot of class uh, clashing in there which is always in there but like yeah I, I feel like they updated those aspects to it or at least like I was able to project all those modern ideas onto this piece that's mm-hmm. 70 years old yeah it's I mean I had more sort of aesthetic issues with the production just because like and that just comes from me and what I find effective mm. uh, so it I wasn't I never watched the production be like oh they ruined this but more sort of like this is not the style of performance that I tend to gravitate towards it's ve- it's very Evo Van Hoffe this production which in some ways yeah I could see yeah. that um, it is very performative which is not a read that is it's a very specific style of performance that this production is going for mm-hmm. not like dropped in organic natural like jillian anderson as blanche like she's reaching into something truthful from herself but her presentation is theatrical like that yes. is part that is the style of the production that so um i i enjoyed her blanche for the most part i felt that if i if i personally were like helming that production i'd be like you're going crazy a little too soon. I need you to be like, start the play 75, 25 and each scene, like go 5% further towards, towards madness. Mm. Um, which that, again, that's just my personal aesthetic when it comes to Blanche's. I like, I find it more um, upsetting and more gut wrenching to watch someone truly just like descend into madness than to see someone who's like, barely holding on by a string after two and a half hours, just like see it completely go away. Sure. That's, and I think there's a lot of validity in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the, the Sweeney Todd with Angela Lansbury and George Hearn, right? Years ago. And I don't know if I watched the whole thing, but yes. Yes. I mean, I mean that, and that, that was the cast recording I grew up listening to. Yes. Like. Well, so that's actually the difference is that the Len Carrieu is on the cast recording and he, oh, right. yes, and he's fantastic. He's still my favorite Sweeney and George Hearn does it on the, on the video and what i don't like about george hearn sweeney is that he shows up and he's like ready to kill from the Mm -hmm. word go like he comes onto that stage and everything is screaming and crying and he's like you're just like oh don't give that band a baby and a knife like he will kill the baby and len carry you start i mean again i have i my only visual of len carry was a very old bootleg but just from listening to it you can still sense that he's a human being he's got a lot of brooding going on because like life has fucked Mm -hmm. him over but it's not until poor thing that he goes into like full blown anger. And then it's not until epiphany that he snaps. Mm. So you see this person who like could have been a human being if the world's just like, didn't ruin him. And that I sort of feel the same way about Blanche. Um, well, mm, no, I take that back. Blanche could not have been a human being because a lot of it is also like her own denial. So I take that back. Yeah, I, I think it's also so hard though, just because like, I, I, I definitely agree. Like they, they definitely started her at like 
rock bottom and then we're like jk we're gonna try to find even more rock bottom and they did i I mean like i it it wasn't personally like an image that i like but i thought it was a very jarring image and was very effective and to me was Mm -hmm. kind of like the idea behind what they wanted to do with this was the moment where like preceding the rape uh instance is blanche is supposed to have had like this immense break uh, and she is supposed to like cover herself and like all these like feathers and fa- like all of her fancy clothes and when you know put on a tiara that she had all, all very symbolic of like putting on airs even though she's completely broken and destitute mm-hmm. and in this one i mean they had her like put on like bright red lipstick and like smear it all the way across her face mm-hmm. and so it, it it was very dramatic, like like that that image, like seeing Gillian Anderson in a pink fluffy tulle dress with a tiara and like crazy like Tammy Faye eyeshadow and just smeared red lipstick all over her face, like there's no way you could look at that Blanche and be like, all right, she still has maybe a little bit to like Something like she left to like, offer, yeah, like she like bitch is gone, like yeah. she cuckoo cuckoo but. <laughs> But the the way that I actually really liked that is because uh, I I think we're in this version we they wanted to show a version of Blanche that is just truly like disgust like not, disgusting is not correct um, not 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 aesthetically I, pleasing in 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 her break I I think sorry I, I went I went about it the wrong way to make the point that I wanted to make so what you were saying about streetcar you know and and the idea of like sexuality and mm-hmm. um that there's always i mean it's a streetcar named desire like literally there's there's a rape in it yes that 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 was one of its big controversies and i agree that like people think of it as like sexy like to be honest when i read it in college i thought of it as sexy like yeah it, it, it was a rape but like you do you think of like marlon brando and you're mm-hmm. kind of like well that's also a really hot car. <laughs> like yeah. and, that, and, that, that, that's and fucked up game mentality. And previous but, productions also kind of like highlight a uh, carnal attraction between Blanche and Stanley. So the yes. rape at the end is um, I don't semi, say like semi mutual, a little bit, yeah, yeah. And so what I what I what I gravitated to in this production, which is what I was trying to get at with, with talking about her makeup, is that there were those moments at the beginning where she was like flirty with him, and and you were like, oh, like. Mm-hmm. She, she's she's not being like, oh, Stanley, don't look at me, don't touch me. Like, she's definitely flirting. But the thing that made the, ra- the rape just so graphic and horrible in this was like, for a man, <laughs> sorry, there should not be levels of awfulness to rape. All rape is awful. But like, what a fucking despicable creature this Stanley is for looking at a version of a woman like this and being like, I'm going to take advantage of, of you. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's so gross is like, you know that's happened. Mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of times in the history of human beings and and so that's what I actually really liked about it was it took this rape this instance that like sometimes they get kind of sexualized and kind of like oh like I, I see like the, where that's mm-hmm. coming from and it, it turned into just a really truly gross moment which is yeah what it is and, so and that, yeah that's, I, what, I, that's what I, I liked about that imagery and yes I agree and I 100% you. agree with you about that because yeah. um, like and that because when I was talking about like people saying streetcar is sexy it's, I mean, in a way it is. Like you, when you look at clips from the movie, like the ones that are always highlighted, it's Marlon Brando taking off his shirt for the first time. It's mm-hmm. the steam in the air and all that stuff and people just being animals. But the play itself is, a- so like, 
it always fascinates me that like streetcar, I don't say it gets a pass, but like people don't highlight the toxic elements of streetcar. That's inherently there. Like it's in Tennessee Williams meant for it to be toxic. Like he's correct. He, uh, he didn't, he did not write a play where he's like, look uh, how, uh, you know, rape happens in like a kind of mutual way. Like he's like, it, it, the whole play is meant to be a, uh, deconstruction of the toxicity of heterosexual relationships because Tennessee Williams was a gay man who I mean he was a he was a bit of a self-hating gay but he also was like heteros are stupid and he's like and this is the play where I'm highlighting how stupid they are uh but it's always ironic to me how like streetcars never really come under the same scrutiny that like carousel has uh Mm. when like, whereas Carousel is a story about redemption and how, like, you can, like, you can do terrible things. And if you are given the opportunity and willing to take the opportunity, you can be redeemed. Mm-hmm. Streetcar's like, nope, people do terrible things and get away with it all the time. But we revive Streetcar so much and it's, like, classic and people are, like, nobody talks about those elements to it. Mm. And I wonder why that is. I truly do. Yeah, I don't know. That, that is a great point. I've never thought about the similarities between Carousel and Streetcar and just how there is that kind of divide. Like people definitely harp on Carousel a lot more, but it, it 100% true. Tennessee Williams did not write these characters for an audience to look at any single choice they make and be like, I should maybe make that choice. <laughs> like, yeah. like every choice they make is debatably the worst choice Garbage, like absolutely. Your, your, your husband beats you up you know stella and then you're like i love him we're gonna we're going back you know because the sex is so good yeah, uh, literally literally that so this okay so we'll move on in just a second but like okay so going back to that comparison there, there's a line in carousel that is like perhaps the most misquoted line of all time which is that he hit me and it felt like a kiss that line is not in the show you won't yeah. find you won't find that single line in the show it's a combination of two separate lines one is where Julie says in Act One, last Monday he hit me, and then in Act Two, when he comes back as a ghost, slaps Louise, and she goes, "I heard it, but I didn't feel it. It's almost as if he had kissed my hand." Which is not Oscar Hammerstein saying that abuse is like a kiss. It's a very clumsy metaphor for the fact that, of course, she didn't feel it. Billy's a fucking ghost; like his right. hand went through her hand. Right. Uh, it's a clumsy metaphor, but it's not them saying domestic violence is romantic. Streetcar literally has a scene after Stanley has gotten drunk and be- hit Stella. His pregnant wife. <laughs> his, pre- his pregnant wife. And then just screams to have her back. And she comes back. And the next day, Blanche is literally like, why'd you do it? And Stella essentially says, he fucks good. Like, that yep. is why. Because yeah. he, he's Marlon Brando and he fucks good. And we all, on the audience, we're not like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But we're just sort of like, okay. Like, like yeah, no, we get that. It's toxic. But like, moving on. Next scene yeah. with Marlon Brando, please. And I just, I'm not saying it to take down streetcar i think streetcar is a fantastic work of art and open to so many interpretations as we've seen i just it really fascinates me why like and maybe it's in my in my head right now because prescott suddenly seymour has been doing like his tony polls mm-hmm. on facebook and he just did one today with classic musicals and it's like oklahoma brigadoon finian's rainbow carousel and a lot of posts that have like voted for carousel have been like i mean yeah, no, it's problematic, but the score is so good. And I'm like, it's not problematic. It's about a problematic thing right. that, and doesn't treat it like an after-school special. That is what's making you uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it, there's definitely a disconnect of people understanding that um, what is actually like, whether a show is problematic because it is enforcing bad behavior or whether it is 
you know, like actually trying to say, (laughs) this is an issue that exists in society. It's awful. We're showing you why it's awful. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to see it to be awful. I mean, it's a very fine line, you know, like things are triggering for different people and witnessing something that might be able to like, I can look at something and be like, I'm learning a lesson from that. And someone else can witness it and be like, oh, this brings me back to a horrible time. So Mm -hmm. like, that's why it's such a fine, fine line and and things, different things may be more problematic than others. But I think we just owed uh, Bobby Lopez and Jeff Marks like $10 for quoting Avenue Q just now. Wait, wait, what? what, Copyrighted. It's a fine, fine line. It's a fine, fine line. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I, I, I enjoyed the production. Like, uh, But once again, as of most things that I see that are the first production that I see, I really like. It was my first mm. production I've seen of Streetcar. That production of Angels in America was the first production I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. His last uh, revival of Jesus Christ Superstar, which people notoriously hated, I loved because I had never seen a production of which, Jesus Christ The one Superstar. with Josh Young and Paul Alexander Nolan? Oh, I yeah. loved that production. I did, I did too, um, but it was also my first one. And so like mm. people who had... Uh, who had a history with it were like, you're an idiot. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Also go fuck yourself. Pro- uh, prove, proven, proven point, you know? Yeah. So, um, oh, time and time again, that is, <laughs> that has nothing to do with right now. No, I mean, I had seen Jesus Christ here. So I just like defend you for a second, John, I had been in it, it. <laughs> and seen two other productions and I still love that production. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think you're ever going to find a whole, a fully satisfying production of Jesus Christ superstar. Cause like, I think as a piece itself, it's not really uh, like uh, satisfying. Like there's there are pieces to. It's that great show. for a church. It's great for a church pageant. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that's how I look at it. I'm like, it's a like, fucking rock and roll church pageant. And it's short gonna... and it streamlines and it streamlines a story like very quickly. And yeah. so like there's emotional stuff to it that you're just not gonna get. Like or <laughs> there's a lack of emotional stuff to it that you're just not gonna get. Um, but God, it was so well sung. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, any anything else that you've been streaming on the webs these days? Um, uh, uh, I actually feel like I haven't watched a ton of theater because sometimes when I try to to start it, 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 I do find it hard to like sit down and especially if it's like a drama, like dedicate the time to it. I, I normally have to like watch things over like either a couple hours, but I think it's also just like my um, quarantine ADHD just being horrible because mm-hmm. i'm like because I, I someone's not forcing me to have my phone silenced or turned off um or i'm watching on my computer where i also get all my texts and emails and everything and so i'm like so I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to think uh if i've watched anything similar or uh i, I don't know what about you what what will i think um well you think i've been delving into the dark and dirty world of bootlegs because uh, never in a period of theatrical history have so many bootlegs started to surface on YouTube so and been so easy to find. Mm. And if you are 100% moralistic about bootlegs, you think it's 100% wrong, there's no uh, positive points to it at all, you can cut to the end of this podcast, you know, here's Celia Keenan-Bolger singing us out. Otherwise, if you want to talk about it for a second, I will. Uh, There were two, well, there were three productions uh, this past season that I was really looking forward to. I had tickets to two of them. I had tickets to Carolina Change and to Company. Mm -hmm. Due to recent events, uh, I had to get my tickets refunded. 
And I didn't have tickets for it, but I was looking forward to seeing it. Uh, six, six, the musical. Yes. And I purposely like did not listen to any of the score. I really want. You haven't to- listened to six yet. Oh, n- 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 get okay. in there. Okay. I had not listened to the score because <laughs> I wanted to experience it live. I wanted to like be surprised by the music and the lyrics for the first time because I'd heard so many great things oh. about it. Yes. And then when it just became very clear that I would not be seeing six probably in this calendar year, I was like, you know what? Fine. I will listen to the to the studio recording and fell in love almost immediately almost immediately (laughs) in addition to the music just being a fun bop i also think that the lyrics are so incredibly smart oh like the the amount of accuracy of every single word of lyric and just Mm -hmm. the the double triple entendres that they have going on and historical references and the, the play with words and 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 the references to the the modern divas that they're emulating mm-hmm. like so smart. Oh, it's so smart in many layers. I don't have we ever discussed this? I don't know if we ever have. Anne Boleyn is like one of my favorite historical figures ever. No, we haven't discussed. I just that. I find her so fat. There's there's a not a ton of information about her. Her family was very big on keeping her a mystery to most of the world. Uh so like her birth records obliterated. Like and like Basically, she was born at some point in time. She lived in England for a bit, and then her family carted off to the French court, where she lived for many years. So, like, no one really knew her true age. No one really knew where she lived before she was in the French court. The whole the whole mystique they cultivated around her was that she almost sort of, like, appeared in England one day, this, like, mysterious, uh, sophisticated uh, Englishwoman who had all the airs of the French. Yeah, she was, you know, suddenly... Uh... Suddenly, she appeared, this bowling gal, and hit a strike. <laughs> exactly. John, sometimes to quote Blanche Dubois, sometimes there's God so quickly. But and, the, and, the and, Blanche and then just, Dubois, and then just so much about on the kindness of strangers. Uh, I also just side note. I also just watch. I've been watching a lot of uh, The Simpsons lately, uh-huh. and I just watched a streetcar named. Uh, Marge where they do a musical version of A Streetcar Named Desire and like Blanche gets carted off to the madhouse at the end and she goes I've always depended on the kindness of strangers and then like a chorus line comes out and go you can always depend on the kindness of strangers it's so fucking good thank god for theater so thank god for theater all right so Anne Boleyn I just find Anne Boleyn to be super fascinating what how she sort of the whole like without her the landscape the landscape of england as we know it would be so different and yeah. it's just, she's just something who's always fascinated me so i know a lot about her life and her relationship with henry the eighth so when i first listened to don't lose your head i was like <sighs> the historical accuracy first of all and then the way they were able to put it across without making it feel like a history lesson was so incredible I, one of my personal favorites is um so if you don't know your Tudor history, Henry, Henry VIII married Anne Boleyn by divorcing Catherine of Aragon. And, even, and because it was uh, rejected by the Pope and the Catholic Church, cre- he created the Church of England and basically said, you know, that this was um, the intent of God to have him marry the woman that he loves. And in the lyrics for uh, uh, Don't Lose Your Head, she literally, she, uh, when talking about the Church of England, Anne Boleyn says, "Everybody, chill. It's totes God's will." And I just thought that oh. was so good. This is leading us all the way back to live streaming or to streaming theater. But because I was like, "I'm not going to see six in this calendar year," a video of the Broadway company popped up 
and I took my I took my moment and I watched it and I was not disappointed. Yeah, the, so I've watched a good amount of like performances of different songs on like the Olivier Awards and whatnot, and mm-hmm. like the, the the show is built for gay men, like mm-hmm. like every, every I, well and women. <laughs> that 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 that's uh, the show is obviously first about women. It's about women empowerment. Women are amazing. It's the, it's about women, but they they know their audience, and they yes. were like, our audience is going to be these gay men who are going to want to see just like beat choreography just like just like choreography that uh, our audience can't see this but like i'm just like like on the beat just like very specific just very Mm -hmm. accented like get like it's it's i'm very excited for that show the message is uh, is empowerment towards women but the aesthetic is for the gays because it is the tightest of choreography the tightest of harmonies and the tightest of shows it's 70 minutes and but you don't feel cheated when you watch it. You're like, this is a full show to me. It's the perfect amount of time to just get drunk before a show, watch a show, and then you leave and you're like, well, it's either I keep drinking or I go home because I'm just about to like finish that buzz. Mm-hmm. And then you keep drinking and you regret everything, except it's- for seeing Six the Music. <laughs> exactly. And I don't regret watching the video one bit. If anything, it has made me so much more excited to see it live. Yeah, I, so I've been debating whether or not to bring this up because to be honest, I feel like this is going to open a huge can of worms, but I don't want to say that much about it. But basically, bootlegs have become a huge thing, obviously, online right now. And the debate about bootlegs has gotten really bad. And there was this really bad thing that happened on Twitter this week. And I will say it came from a very bad place where um, someone was, like a, a fan was bullying a Broadway performer because they stand, uh, they, they like, they're very anti-bootleg and I guess have recently been on this huge train of like shaming people about it. Mm-hmm. And um, this, what this fan commented on a post of like a, a Broadway performer, um, something about a bootleg when the, the performer's post was not about a bootleg and started harp, like basically like wanted to like reopen the can of worms. And then a director in the community um, commented mm. and said that um, watching a bootleg is the same thing as watching child pornography. And here's the thing about that mess <laughs> is that- um, It just won't die. It, it, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that's just, no, no. <laughs> like, no. And, and so I, I, I personally don't condone bootlegs because I, I, I think that people should be paid for their work and, and I understand. But I, th- I think people who are very active in this fight, because like I also have watched bootlegs myself. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a hypocrite. Like let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I think so many of us are, but I, I think... I just think saying that has to be acknowledged that like no matter what side you may be on of this um, argument of this debate, it's not that <laughs> we can we can all agree on that. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I, I I am not on Twitter, but I was made aware of that tweet and I sort of read the thread. And I think what made it worse was that he dug his heels and he did not even say like you know looking back maybe that was the wrong analogy. I. <sighs> I tried to go for shock value and it did not work. No, he he stuck with it and yeah. I, it just made it even worse. Um, and I was like, you're actually undermining your argument 
by <sighs> making this analogy because then even people who would normally agree with you are disagreeing with how you're arguing for it and <sighs> yeah you're just not making a good point yeah they're, they're nothing alike and, and should never be compared and so yeah no matter what side of this debate you may be on uh we're here to officially, um, I, I would just like to officially say, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a very complex debate. And so I, I, I didn't want to bring up that subject a lot because I don't want to spend a lot of time with it because I just don't think it actually deserves to have a lot of time spent with it. But I, just like that and it, how, how it's kind of, especially in this week, gotten like blown out of proportion. But yeah. because, yeah, like... I, I, I really, I, I, I don't support bootlegs or bootlegging. But like I said, I watched them. Like, it's, here, 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 this, this is the set. Newsflash, I'm a horrible human. Like, newsflash, so many of us are horrible humans. Yeah, we're, we're all so complex, you know? I, it, it, it's, it's like in the good place where they decide that like the point system's fucked up because mm-hmm. just like doing one single act right now has so many negative and positive reactions. Yes, you have to take into account the whole and the impact and the butterfly effect of things. Um, do you get penalized a thousand points for watching a bootleg when you did this other thing that benefited others for years and years to come, like me and how I uh, created an alternative to Amazon Prime so you don't have to give money to Jeff Bezos anymore? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Yes, but like I also watched a bootleg, so mm, I guess I'm a terrible person. Sorry, are you on Broadway HD or like Broadway On Demand or any of those sites? Uh, No, I think I will be actually soon though. So yeah, how are you? No, no, there aren't really many that I want to see. And in fact, actually, so there's, there's been a debate now because Carrie Butler apparently tweeted the other day uh, to... She, did, she tweeted, I guess, to Lincoln Center, but it, she really meant the Toft archives at Lincoln Center to like, oh, you know, like start mm-hmm. releasing some of your content for streaming so people can watch it. And I, while I do love the idea, that is truly all it's ever going to be is an idea because there's so many legal hoops to jump through with that. It's not sure. just because it's the unions, it's, yep. uh, it's the, estates of the writers and of the designers mm-hmm, and the directors mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. some of the people whose work is recorded are dead now and they and so you have to reach out to their um the estate uh, yeah the yeah. estate itself or and they're not an, always uh willing to allow that and then on top of that you know you have to figure out how you're going to stream it because it's all in an archive at Lincoln Center and people aren't really able to go in there right now. So it's, it's just the whole, it's a whole thing. I would, I lo- again, I love the idea of it. Don't think it'll ever happen. And I, I think that's where we just have to leave that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Anyway. Yeah. So I think now's the time as any then John to wrap things up before we that, go into. I think any that sounds, other... I think that sounds perfect. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, John, where can people find you on social media? They can find me at John Wascavage. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. That's, W to the A to the S to the C to the A to the V to the A to the G to the E. To the E. Um, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Matt Coplick, and you can find me on Grinder at Daddy's Boy. And you can find me on Scruff as Audra's Bitch. Uh, <laughs> I'm Audra's Bottom Bitch. Uh, sorry, Mom. I know she told me to clean up my act. Never going to happen. <laughs> 
make sure to make sure to rate and review guys i ask every week it helps with with people finding us who are we gonna have sing us out that's a wonderful question i think i chose last time uh that was like seven months ago it was seven months ago uh who could we should we have um a little six preview and just end with some Anne? and was an and i'd be down for that uh or we could end is is don't lose your head the song that you like most from six um i like all of them so much (laughs) to be honest it's more of an easier question of which one don't i like and it's kind of only one song that i skip (laughs) uh which is what guess house of i love house of (laughs) hollabine is it hard is it hard of stone Oh, I love Heart of Stone. That's what uh, I mean. It's so. It's, it's like, oh, I love. It, I love all of them. It's the you, I don't need your love. Oh, the last oh, one, the Alicia Keys one. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I like. I like it just fine. I still listen to it, yeah. but that's the one I've listened to the last. Probably yeah. Don't Lose Your Head and Get Down are, have have like the most listens. Yes, I would say those two, and then I also really like All You Want to Do, even if it ends really sad. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, well, let's do Don't Lose Your Head. Keep it in theme with uh, with all the things. All right, so thank you for listening, guys. Uh, have a good week, and here's a little bit of six for you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>